0: Welcome to the Electri International Series Think Like a Leader. We all enjoy hearing another person's success story, and we hope our conversations with leaders from across the electrical construction industry will help spark your interest and creativity in finding ways you can think like a leader. Sometimes we interview contractors. Sometimes we are interviewing distributors or manufacturers. Today is a little bit different. Today we have with us Alan Estes. Alan is a member of the executive committee and co-chair of the construction practices group for his law firm, Gordon Reese Scully Mansukani. He is very involved with Electric International, and he's very, very dedicated to the industry. So thank you, Alan, so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be here.
0: Let me ask you this. Your firm covers many, many different disciplines and services. And as I just said in the introduction, you are a leading partner of the firm. You're on the executive committee, and you co-chair construction practices, How do you approach setting goals for the company as a whole while respecting your attorney colleagues' approach to their individual
1: client work? It's a great question. Fortunately, we have a leadership team that's pretty awesome at Gordon Reese. So when you talk about things like approaching goals for a whole firm, I've got a pretty awesome leader in Dion Caminos, who's our our firm-wide leader of the entire firm. So we kind of work as a team. We've got several members on the executive committee. So Goals as a whole is a group lift, typically, with Dion's leadership. So it's, it's much easier than, for example, a construction practice group and what we're going to cover and, and how we're going to help the industry out.
0: Every contractor has to deal with contracts. In your experience, Do electrical contractors approach construction and contractual issues differently from the way that other parts of the construction world approach those same issues?
1: I would say yes. They're highly specialized, and most electrical contractors that I've dealt with in my career really know their stuff, whether they're doing work on buildings or doing infrastructure work. They're, they're used to temporary power situations where they're early in. They're used to sharing space with mechanicals and buildings. They're really flexible in their approach to work, I find, and, and pretty easy to work with. Having said that, they're one of the specialty contractors that has to share space, usually, especially in a building. So that's a unique challenge.
0: You know, everybody talks about what the pandemic forced companies to do, and everybody had to find new ways to approach issues and get through adverse situations. In your opinion, what sets apart a good electrical contractor from a great electrical contractor in terms of the way they approach and resolve adverse situations? What makes them a great contractor really great?
1: If you're talking about adverse situations, I I think the hallmark of being great is responsiveness. And in order to respond to anything, you have to understand what it is you're responding to. So you use the example of the pandemic that was touch and go for a lot of contractors for the first year, especially because we were still trying to figure out whether or not force majeure had any play, whether or not we had to go around the force majeure clause, how we affected supply chain and escalation. So, so it was a learning experience for a lot, of, a lot of contractors. And during that period of time, law firms, I think, were an important partner in understanding how to navigate those waters.
0: You mentioned supply chain. Did the disruptions in the supply chain have an impact on the legal services and advice that you provided during that
1: time frame? I would say impact only in that a lot of people needed help all at once. And usually on on my side of the business, being a legal advisor, it's steady. People going into jobs want to know about their contract and what they can change and what's unusual. During the job, there's change order issues that come up and they sometimes need guidance on those. And after the job, unfortunately, sometimes there's disputes. But this was different. This was... How do we deal with something that's going to affect pricing and our ability to perform in a timely manner out of nowhere? I found that the change was our phones were ringing off the hook. We were trying to navigate these waters with the contractors who were just as mystified with respect on how to deal with it because the owners were mystified.
0: What trends in contracting do you think will have the most impact on electrical contractors and their firms Over the next three to five years, if we can agree that we hope the pandemic's worst is in our rearview mirror. Are there new trends that you as a leader see coming that you say, man, I want my clients to really be aware of this and be paying attention to it?
1: Well, you know, it's funny that you should say that as we're sitting here on the phone today, history is being made. We're dealing with a war potentially. Mm -hmm. You talk about supply chain issues. We've got probably major energy issues. And the need for energy dependence is front and center right now for America and its allies. So no one's really dealing with this yet because we're days into a war. But this is an area that's going to have an impact, I think, on the construction industry through supply chain issues, potentially, and energy to the extent it's needed. Setting that issue aside because it's so new, I'm dealing with the same stuff I've been dealing with the entire time, contracts paying attention to what they say and what it means for any contractor, especially specialty contractors like electrical contractors and how to plan their business around the type of work they're doing, the scope that they've typically taken on in a contract and dealing with disputes as they come up on the project in real time. The biggest challenge I see is that connection between the business managers who sit in the office And the field that actually builds the work, the better that relationship is, the better that communication is, the better the understanding and planning is there, the more successful you're going to be.
0: We hear a lot about workforce development being an issue that's going to impact the growth and the success of companies and that contractors do need to pay significant attention to this aspect. What advice would you offer to electrical contractors in terms of ways to identify and nurture future leaders in the contracting arena. And I don't mean just in the field workers, but those that are eventually going to take over and be running the companies.
1: I think you have to be especially receptive to change because there's a lot of it going on, not just in our industry, but in the world right now. But in our industry, you have to be able to to see where trends are going. That event may change how things are done, especially if you're working overseas. Uh, United States of America, if you're building work here, only and you're not doing any work overseas, you may not see that much of a drastic change. There may be some supply chain and energy issues, but we're a pretty self-sufficient country. But manufacturing may be a lot different. And to the extent that we need suppliers in this business to deliver parts that we install, that may change. Leaders need to be aware of problems like these and get ahead of them. I've been so fortunate to see over the years that a lot of the Electri members are on top of this. They stay on top of it. We have meetings about it. We have dialogue about it. We have task force that are geared towards keeping us on the cutting edge. I'm very proud to be a member of the group and and contribute when I can.
0: You've been involved with Electri International for a really long time now, which is great. What do you believe are some of the most significant initiatives that Electri offers for the EC industry?
1: I think the studies are pretty interesting. Electricity will take on a problem and hire researchers to go and, and present both sides solutions to it. And I find that very unique because these leaders can sit around in a meeting and talk about a problem that affects all of them and try to come up with a solution or decide, hey, I want to fund this study for all of us to go forward. And I find that very unique. I mean, even in my profession, being a lawyer, we do stuff like that, but not to the extent that I've seen it done in a lecture. It's a very special group. And I I wanna say this, your greatest resource, I think are, are the people involved from the leadership all the way to the people that just come to the meetings. Very warm, very welcoming, and very serious about doing what's best for the industry.
0: As I mentioned earlier, you're not a contractor. But yet you are an absolute advocate for Electric International and for the electrical construction industry. What do you bring to the table that helps Electric International achieve its objectives? What's your side?
1: Yeah. Before I give you that, I want to thank, you know, people that got me involved in Electric Early. Uh, Tom Kern, especially. Russell Essie. Great people and very much responsible for me being involved. So I'll start there and I'll say, Yes, I'm not a contractor. I am very much invested in the industry because I believe in it. I knew a lot of contractors growing up. and knew them to be very good people, really care and help build this, this country. Uh, so I'm very proud to be a part of that. My interest is to see that continue. I am involved to the extent of my firm, Gordon, Reese, Scully, Mansicani, but I'm also personally involved with my own time and my own money to see that this endeavor succeeds so I'm just honored to be a part of it and I want to help way I can.
0: When you think about Electri International in your mind's eye over the next, I don't know, three to five years, you'd say, you know, Carolyn, they're doing a great job and their studies are really good, but I think they also need to pay attention to What else do you want them to add to their portfolio?
1: You know, you're doing it with partnerships with people like me who are lawyers, who are not contractors. You've also got accountants involved. You've got investment groups involved. You've got financial planning involved. I think with the lawyers and the accountants especially... You could probably do more as a group with partnering. You do the task force stuff. I've been a member of several of them. But in terms of the last meeting we had, I was able to speak with a group of contractors on claims and how to, how to navigate them. My perspective is from a person who has handled owners, contractors, specialty contractors and suppliers. So I've seen it from all angles. I think that information is going to help all of the members out that are contractors, because it provides perspective without them having to make mistakes, they can just learn.
0: Some contractors, even members of Electric International, they think they're pretty good leaders and some of them focus on strategy, some of them focus more on operation. Do you think that one side of that equation needs more attention than the other to be a good leader? Does the person need to spend more time on the strategy of a successful firm rather than on the operational side?
1: I actually feel pretty strongly about this. You need both. And I know that seems like a very neutral answer, but let me explain. You've got to have the strategy in place to to plan and see where you need to go and understand the playing field. But if you can't execute, which is operational, then all the planning in the world doesn't mean a thing. So your team has to be in sync, your field team, with your office team, absolutely has to be in sync. And you need, you need both planning and execution, or as you call it, operations.
0: You're a leader. We've identified that over the course of your career. What's the best advice you ever received?
1: Wow. Now you're making making me think pretty hard.
0: Oh, I know.
1: (laughs) Uh, Best advice. Let me, let me offer good advice. I can't say that it's the best, but We tend to get caught up in other people's time matrix in that you want to rush sometimes to do things because you feel like you're rushed. The best advice I got or some of the best advice I got was don't allow that to happen. Always be on your own time. Even when it appears to be a rushed situation, there's always a moment to pause, collect yourself, think about your plan and then execute your plan. Don't allow that to be taken away from you.
0: Well, would it be fair to say, I mean, in the legal profession, everything has a deadline. You have Mm -hmm. to file by such and such a date and five o'clock PM and that's it, or you lose or you're out or whatever. Would it be fair to say that a good leader has to have a plan before they can even step back from that plan to review it and take steps forward that it is to be a good leader requires planning first and foremost is that fair
1: yeah that's a fair statement I'll, I'll i'll put it to an analogy look you ask people who play chess what the most powerful thing in the game of chess is and most people will pause and then tell you well the queen of course right that's actually not correct the most powerful thing in the game of chess is the board 64 squares it limits everything And if you view it that way, you understand that planning is absolutely essential to be successful. So, yes, planning is a must.
0: As you think about what you want to tell our audience, and most of them are contractors and chapter executives who are paying attention, what do you want to tell them? What do you want to tell them about you? What do you want to tell them about the industry? You've given us a lot of good advice over the course of this interview. Is there anything I didn't ask you about? You'd say, you know, Carolyn, I really want to make sure that I get this point across.
1: I'll start with the thing you said last. No, because it's not about me. It's about the industry. So there's, there's nothing that I want to get across other than thank you for allowing me to be involved. I really appreciate it. And I, I love being a counselor to many of you. In terms of what I would like to leave with the group, other than I'm available to help you anytime, is we really all do need each other. And one of the strongest things I see about electric is, is the uniqueness in, in that you rely on all your partners, not just contractors. But accountants, investment people, lawyers like myself to make sure that our industry is strong and that we actually have ability to meet with each other and try to solve problems together on a level playing field. And we we do it for the industry, not for us as individuals.
0: Well, Ellen, thank you so much for your time today. We really do appreciate it. I think it's important for our audience to understand the perspective of someone who's not a contractor, to see how you believe in the value of people coming together, the synergy that results from everybody at all sides of the table with all different kinds of experience are working together through Electric to make the industry better. So for our audience, I hope you enjoy this segment. We hope you'll keep watching. Thank you for joining us for today's Think Like a Leader conversation. You can access every interview in this series on our website, electri.org, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This is a remarkable look inside the electrical construction industry, and it's yours for the listening.